Hey folks, it's Tuvia. So excited to have you back for another episode of It Only Takes One. That's right, you have the power to influence and inspire even just one person. And if that person goes on to do something for someone else, and so on and so on, the ripple effect that you've started is a movement. So remember, it only takes one. I wanted to explore perfectionism today. And before we go any further, let me stand up and say, Hello everyone, my name is Tuvia, and I am a perfectionist. I used to always describe it as a double-edged sword, in that it allowed me to achieve and surpass my goals because I always strive for perfection. But I recognized how hard I was on myself in striving for that perfection. It took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that, drumroll please, perfection doesn't exist. I heard perfectionism described as a lifelong constant report card. And while a healthy dose can lead to self-motivation and overcoming adversity, when it tips to unhealthy, it can lead to unhappiness because you always feel like you're letting yourself down. Why, you ask? Well, because at its core, for some, or many perhaps, perfectionism isn't about achieving success. It becomes about avoiding failure. And so it's typical to then always perceive life through a negative lens. Now, I know I recently spoke about failure and actually how important I think it is as part of achieving success. So why do I continue to see perfectionism as something completely different and have this mental block in connecting the two? Logically, I see it, but in my gut, I can't marry them. And so the natural tendency is to say that I'm striving for the best, to push myself. And if that's called perfectionism, Is it really that bad? Let me share some interesting data points from a scientific perspective. In researching perfectionism, I learned that 30% of the overall population is diagnosed by psychologists as being perfectionists. I'm not quite sure how that's assessed, but more shockingly, a 2018 study showed that two in five children and adolescents are diagnosed as perfectionists. That's 40%. There are psychologists say two types of perfectionists, adaptive and maladaptive. Those falling into the adaptive camp set goals, have high standards, and they work relentlessly hard for success. They are achievement-oriented. They desire growth, enjoy challenges, and are problem solvers. On the other hand, maladaptive perfectionists are failure-oriented, and in that camp, the perfectionist tendencies become a weakness. It is said that perfectionism stems as a childhood response to parents with overly high expectations or some trauma event that leads one to not want to be judged or rejected. I don't think that's solely fair because societal pressures must have a part to play too, especially when considering that perfectionist tendencies have increased substantially amongst young people over the past 30 years, regardless of gender or culture. Think about it. Academic and professional competition continues to rise and social media elicits a great deal of unhealthy social comparison. It got me thinking about the time I spent, or perhaps wasted, constantly striving for better, for growth, for more challenges. The amount of time that you actually don't get back. And in a world that's so troubled, don't we want to be able to be more present and to actually seize the moment? I ask myself, 
If the time invested in striving for perfection comes with constantly being critical of oneself, perhaps subconsciously even, how is that then a good use of time? How does that marry with the need to have more self-care and to be kinder to ourselves, to look out for our own mental health? Every parent and guru out there says that you need to focus on the motivational positive feedback with children, to focus and shout out the good and not just look at what hasn't been achieved. So why is it that when it comes to ourselves, we somehow forget that notion of self-love? There's a time management principle I was reading about that's meant to help one enjoy life more. It's called the Pareto Principle, or the 80-20 rule, developed by an Italian economist, Vilfredo Pareto, in 1897. It was not popularized until the mid-1940s when it was brought in as a business principle. And the 80-20 rule came about to challenge a lot of the core beliefs of perfectionists, including our propensity to always be multitasking, because as perfectionists, we believe in being able to have it all. I mean, how can you tell someone who's always striving for perfection the word no? Their response, like mine, is of course to say that it's possible. It's always possible. So saying that it isn't, is setting a challenge that a perfectionist will certainly seek to conquer. So what is the 80-20 rule? It's a principle that asserts that a minority of causes, inputs or effects, usually lead to a majority of the results, outputs or rewards. Often it's described by saying that 80% of what you achieve comes from 20% of what you do. Now, the 80-20 split is not a hard and fast rule to every situation. It's a scientific theory based on empirical data, but 80-20 makes a representative statement. Ultimately, it's about cutting out the noise and focusing on the 20% that's going to give you a whopping 80% outcome. That's crazy, right? Most of the losses we incur in life are not due to hundreds of silly mistakes but a handful of disastrously bad habits. Seen through this lens, it makes sense to focus most of your effort on nurturing the practices that drive desirable results and on eliminating the poor habits that may be responsible for failure. I don't want to talk about work applications. So let me take the principle and apply it to happiness. Why happiness? Well, perfectionists are said to constantly be striving for more. So they struggle with seeing the positives. And if they view each endeavor through a negative, I can't fail lens, then finding or choosing happy becomes a challenge. Let's be real. Don't we all want to know how we can maybe bring a bit more happiness into our day-to-day lives? So how can we take the 80-20 rule and apply it in our personal lives? Well, I love the suggestion that happiness is more about subtracting than adding to our lives meaning that we remove or subtract the noise associated with the things that don't bring us happiness, and instead that we turn our attention and energy to the things that bring us happiness. So there are two questions that I've decided that I need to ask myself. First, what are the 20% of things that cause 80% of my unhappiness? And second, what are the 20% of things that cause 80% of my happiness? If you ask yourself the same questions, then perhaps it'll help deciding about prioritization 
and identifying that effort that will lead to helping achieve your purpose, the one that'll bring you happiness. So for someone like me, that means cutting out 80% of the focus I have, i.e. all the multitasking, and instead focusing on the 20% that actually matters. This should, as I'm realizing, help me achieve my personal purpose, because that 20% will create the biggest results, the 80% outcome in our lives, and hopefully the 80% of my happiness. So before I close out, I'd like to revisit my introduction. I think it maybe needs to instead go as follows. Hello everyone, my name is Tuvia and I'm a recovering perfectionist. Thanks for joining me today on It Only Takes One. If something here resonated with you, please share it with someone you love. And until next time, here's wishing you a beautiful rest of the day. Thank you.